Uh, yeah, it's, a, it's a, a basically an interview with uh, Leonard Harvey. Uh, known uh, in the radio world and around the Muskegon area, Steve James. Mm -hmm. Worked at uh, WMUS and started his career. But uh, we, we just want to get some uh, information about um, your history of radio in Muskegon. Oh, sure. Uh, and so uh, when did you get your start in radio? Actually, I was 17 years old. I was still in high school. I had another month to be at Muskegon High. Uh, I started out at WKJR 1520, I believe it was, AM, and it was a, it was basically attempting a music format, it had been a religious station, but it wanted to be more middle of the road. Tried that for a summer, um, I get a call from Tim Achterhoff a few months after I'm there and he says, why don't you come work the night show at MUS. When I resigned from the job, I love it, the guy said, well, it's a good thing you're, you took this other job because they were thinking of firing you. So I said, okay, I dodged that bullet. I go to MUS, I'm there for maybe two, three months. And I get an offer to go to this new station called WQWQ FM Stereo 104.5 with beautiful music, 18 and a half hours a day. Uh, I still remember that, I don't know why. And I was there for about three months till one Sunday morning I fell asleep on the air. <laughs> I didn't get fired, nobody caught me, but I, I called Tim the next day. I, I called up Tim Akterhoff and I said, Tim, uh, I fell asleep on the radio. I don't think this is where I need to be working. I'm 18 years old. You got to give me a job. He said, I was thinking of calling you anyway. I'll go ahead and I'll hire you back. Uh, long story short, I, I did that for, you know, I was on the air then at MUS for five years, went into ad sales for seven. Uh, was marketing director for a year, was sales manager for a year, and got promoted to run and manage the radio station in Duluth the classic rock station up there. I was there for about five years, uh, worked for the full service AM in town, KDAL, 96 Light, very successful. Got fired from there because they eliminated my position, laid off, I suppose. Then I built a radio station along with some business partners, two of them, and we had that station in northern Wisconsin, a 50,000-watt FM, for five years. We sold it. And then I went to the newspaper for ten and a half years, worked uh, for a regional magazine for about a year, and then I went to cable television charter and worked for them until I retired last year in 2018. Yeah, you, you talked about um, 17 years old and working, going into the radio business. Yeah. But you, somebody at, uh, in your high school career, oh. Muskegon High School, a guy named Frank Bowling. He was extraordinary. He had actually been a disc jockey in Battle Creek in the 40s and early 50s. Decided that he wasn't going to make enough of a living doing that for what he wanted to do, so he decided to go to college, got his degree in teaching, convinced Muskegon High School to let him not only teach speech class, but to be a radio television teacher. He created a studio in his homeroom, which was room 310, where he taught. He had a studio where he had a board operation in one studio and microphones set at a table in another. So he really created the experience of being able to talk to the student body. What we did is we read the announcements in the morning. Right. We called it MHS Morning News. And uh, he would engineer... We'd be on the microphone, and uh, it would reach the entire student body during homeroom. 
So in my time, there were over 2,000 students. Oh, yeah. This was a big deal. And, of course, the great part of it was you, you did one of these broadcasts, and they took, what, two to five minutes every morning. And then that day, you're walking down the hall, and people are calling me Paul Harvey, of course. <laughs> hey, is Paul your uncle? You know, all that, which I loved. Um, so, so it was great, uh, but to, to Frank Poling's credit, what he did in 20 years of teaching before he retired, so he started early 50s, I was his last student that went into broadcasting. During that 20 year period, he had 20 students that had gone into professional broadcasting. Yeah. Yeah. So he was a guy who had really taken education to a different level. He, he, we actually ended up with jobs. Now the people that in this list includes, uh, Tim Achterhoff, Harry Brown, who were, you know, legends at MUS. Right. Um, and, and a guy that I believe was in his class, I would assume he had to be, was Jim Baker, oh, who was the, yeah, the PTL guy. Yeah. Uh, because 10 years before I graduated, Jim Baker graduated Muskegon High right, right. and grew up in the same neighborhood I did. I didn't know him personally, but it was amazing that, you know, the, the people he had go through there. And there's a list that's a mile long of people that Frank Poling had taught that went into the media business, most of them as radio broadcasters. He was very progressive, and, and I always thought that uh, Frank Poling had a demonstrated to me he was a good marketing guy. He, he could tell the story of why they should do this. And he was able to show results of what it did in terms of students turning into professional broadcasters. Oh, sure. It's one of the great stories, I think, that doesn't uh, get shared enough. I, I think Frank Poling uh, deserves all kinds of credit. He was an interesting guy because he had been a freelance newspaper reporter yes. at one point in his life. So he had multiple media backgrounds. Uh, I get this lady calls up on Tradio, you know, buy, sell, or trade, Tradio. And she's going along reading her item that she wants to sell, and she burps. And, of course, this was live on the air. This was not with a five-second delay or whatever. So she ends up burping, and I'm a 19 or 20-year-old cocky kid, right? A real smart ass, let's be honest. And I go, she, you know, she's reading along, and she burps, and I go, get any on you? And she, and she goes, what did you say? I said, nothing, ma'am. What is that phone number they should call? You know, and, and I didn't think any more of it. And then Tony Wright, who was one of the disc jockeys, walks in, rolls open the control room door behind me, and he says, get any on you. I was listening in my car. I almost drove off the road. I was laughing so hard, you know. So, you know, there you go. Dumb, dumb thing. Um, I, I remember I got a chance to give away a car. And that was something new. We'd never given away a car. And it wasn't like we were giving away the car forever. It was a car that you would get a free lease for a year. And I remember I had somebody that had called up. And eventually, I mean, all the announcers throughout the day had a chance to give it away. And I happened to be the guy that actually gave it away. And uh, the lady was thrilled. And I, I thought, wow, I gave away a car on the air. I mean, how cool is that, you know? So, and of course, then in, in those days, it was fun. We, I was doing nights. Yeah, I was on the air at night first uh, for a couple of years. And I remember Tim Achterhoff came in one day and he says, hey, when you're done with your air shift, 
you got to clean out the garbage. You got to take all that teletype print from UPI and AP. You got to put all of that in a bag and you got to throw it out so we can toss it. So I said, well, I'm a disc jockey. You know, I'm a, I'm a professional broadcaster, <laughs> hey? And he goes, well, he says, this is part of your job. <laughs> so, so that's what I did. And I was, you know, like dumping cigarette ashes and, you know, you're doing all this stuff that I didn't smoke, but other people did. And it was like that was, I had to kind of police the place, you know, as far as the, the you know, conditions before I left at midnight. And, you know, and in those days we signed off at midnight. So it was, you know, of course now everybody's 24-7 now, but... Yeah, it was good stuff. We got a lot of fun. The working with the announcers was a treat. Um, Paul Erickson was such a talent. Uh, he's in Detroit. He's been in Detroit radio for years. Uh, Paul's dad, I believe, was the superintendent. I think at Mona Shores at one point. Um, Erickson that would have been the last name. But anyway, Paul was this unique guy. He was like six foot five. Had hair down on the middle of his back he wore cowboy boots he wore a green fatigue jacket and on and he was incredibly talented he could play guitar he was an artist he could draw he was wonderful he had amazing production his speaking skills were off the chart um he, just an amazing guy to work with just blew me away at how talented he was and did it so naturally in fact it was on your show when you did the 50th anniversary he's the guy who did the song about mus oh yeah that was paul out of detroit really oh, yeah. That's yeah yeah he's a yeah just a talented guy but Harry Brown is another guy that jumps out. I mean, Harry Brown is this guy that makes my voice sound like I'm a little girl. He's, he's got a <laughs> set of pipes that are just ridiculous. Uh, he actually got hired away briefly, and he worked at DAI-FM, which was the FM of WLS in Chicago. Worked there three months, decided he didn't like it, and came back. But uh, he was he was that good a talent, and he was his voice was amazing. And Harry went on to community college. Yeah, he yeah. ended up being a the instructor for computers. Yeah, he's uh, and did fabulously well. He had a great career, and actually, at the very end, I understand he ran the community TV through community college at the end. Uh, and of course, one can never talk about MUS without talking about Tim Actorhoff. I mean, and there's going to be so many stories about Tim, I mean, from everybody, because Tim has, uh, well, first of all, I, I wouldn't have probably got into the industry, truthfully, and had and enjoyed what I did without Tim Actorhoff's uh, role in it. I mean, I have told him, I said, I give you credit for getting me into this business. I wanted to be in the business since I was 10, but you made all those things happen. And I, and I said, between you and Frank Poling, whom he knew, of course, and and, uh, you know, the, everything that came together, it was really Tim that was always a, a tremendous supporter. And uh, he's the one that convinced me to go to Duluth to be a manager there. And that led to another part of the career. So Tim really is a guy that I, I really owe my career to. And we'll be uh, doing another segment with Tim. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a uh, he's a just, you know, he's. He's a guy that, that I, I always have admired. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the guy. He's a terrific announcer. 
And he'll always say, well, you know, my voice isn't as good as I would have liked it to have been. I said, yeah, but it's distinctive. It's distinctive. I said, your, your voice inflection skills are off the chart. I said, you know how to sell when you, when you record a commercial. You have great sales skills. And, and he's got an, a work ethic that doesn't end. The man is absolutely the hardest worker. Well, I told a story I mentioned earlier today. Here's a guy who tells me one day, I'm, I'm working a weekend air shift at MUS, and he walks in and he says, yep, as of today, I have worked three straight years. I have been in this station every day for the last three years working. That's how committed and dedicated. It's no reason, it's no surprise that MUS grew as successful as it did. Tim dotted all the I's, crossed all the T's, did all the things necessary. He outworked everybody. We're very fortunate. We get to play media. Oh, yeah. This isn't really a job, let's be honest. I mean, yeah, we get paid for it, and that's great, but this is like playtime, and you get paid to do this. And, and I feel very fortunate to have had that opportunity all these years. But like you, I figured out pretty early that if you're going to be this fortunate, this, this blessed, you better give back something to the community and participate and support it. It's part of the deal. A couple of things I remember about John. Well, first of all, he was a great on-air talent. I remember listening to him when he was rocking in Grand Rapids on ZZM. Um, he was as attuned to the sound of a radio station. He would be on the air, and it was hilarious to watch him. He'd, he'd like get into a break. He's got, or he's running a, a song on the air. He jumps off his chair, runs to the tuning apparatus along the board right there next to the studio, and he'd be fine-tuning it. He had a phenomenal ear for what he wanted to hear on the air. And our radio station, I thought, especially when John was there, sounded as good as anybody in town. I mean, we were powerful. We were strong. We were tuned in. We were exactly what we needed to be. He would tune it. I'm not kidding. Five every five ten minutes, he was he was so over the top on it. But it was it was it made the radio station sound incredible. And and those brought there's a lot of broadcasters. I don't think they fully grasp how critical that is that the station sound physically is is really uh, on top of it. And, and John was amazing. Uh, the last time I saw John. Uh, he said, well, I see you still have the pipes. And I said, well, thanks, John. I appreciate that. And, of course, I had just sold a radio station a few years before that we had built. And he had just built this station that you're running, Oscar. And so he was like, uh, yeah, this is really cool. Tell me what you thought about all of this. And so he and I shared all kinds of you know, comparison notes of building a radio station. And of course, he had the engineering side way down more than me. I was more into the sales and the marketing side of it because that's where most of my experience lies in the media business. But uh, yeah, John's great talent. Um, funny story with him, we're at a pool party at the president's house one summer, Bunker Rogoski. And I remember that John took some sort of a like a, a container top that was, you know, about so big and metal. And he bonks Dan Mason on the head with it. I, I don't know how much he'd been drinking, 
But uh, Dan was not happy. I just remember thinking, I thought it was hilarious, actually. But uh, anyway, John was, John was smart. He, another guy that worked incredibly hard. A guy that was totally into the industry. Uh, he was he was a skilled broadcaster, good talent. He really had a lot of uh, he had a lot of the package. I mean, you know, it is funny with broadcasters because some go into uh, they go into the media, the marketing side. Some go on the on-air side. Some go into engineering. Many of us do multiple. You know, and you got somebody like Tim Actorhoff who was one of those guys that seemed to have his hands and fingers in all of it. He seemed to get how it all worked. But he needed engineers like John Allen to make it go the, the extra, or Mike Majeski, or people of that talent. Yeah, great talents. M.U.S. Sun is Lobo, and that song is called Rings right here. It is 1049 on the music station. MUS, where this Monday we'll give you a chance to win an 1895 JC's Merchant Coupon book every hour. All you got to do is just listen and win on the music station. It's Don's Market with prices like yesterday and today's produce. Save on a half bushel of delicious apples, just $1.99. Macintosh and Jonathan apples, a half bushel, just $2.69. White California grapes, 39 cents a pound. Bananas, 7 pounds for a buck. 50 pounds of potatoes, just $2.29. And Don has fruit baskets made to order. Save on homogenized milk, the gallon size, just $1.45. And low fat for just $1.23. Don's Market, with prices like yesterday on today's produce. Open seven days a week, 9 to 9, on Apple Avenue and Brooks Road. M.U.S. Santa's Lobo, and that song is called Rings right here. It is 1049 on the music station. M.U.S., where this Monday we'll give you a chance to win an 1895 J.C.'s Merchant Coupon book every hour. All you got to do is just listen and win on the music station. Don's Market with prices like yesterday and today's produce. Save on a half bushel of delicious apples, just $1.99. Macintosh and Jonathan apples, a half bushel, just $2.69. White California grapes, 39 cents a pound. Bananas, 7 pounds for a buck. 50 pounds of potatoes, just $2.29. And Don has fruit baskets made to order. Save on homogenized milk, the gallon size, just $1.45. And low fat for just $1.23. Don's Market, with prices like yesterday on today's produce. Open seven days a week, 9 to 9, on Apple Avenue and Brooks Road. In the area, temperature 34, that's 1 Celsius. MUS News Time, 10.55. MUS, well, that's the spirit, by golly. That's Gary Stewart, your place or mine. It's 11.04 and the music station, MUS. You know, Monday, we're going to start giving away a J.C.'s Merchant Coupon Book worth $18.95. We're going to do that every hour starting Monday. Now, just listen and win on the music station. M-U-S. It is 11.09 on a Saturday morning. Kind of a cold morning out there. Hey, later on this hour, your chance is coming up to win a pair of passes to see Conway and Loretta tonight at the Walker Arena, plus an eight-pack of Coke. Just stick with the music station. Jerry J., the boars out of town. M-U-S. La la la. <laughs> Shoop doobie. Well, well, that's Sherry Jane on the fourth side of town on the music station. If anyone should ask what radio station you listen to, say I listen to MUS, the music station. 3200.
Michigan weather. Today, cloudy, high 40. Tonight, mostly cloudy, low 25. Tomorrow, cloudy with a chance of snow, high 35. Temperature, 34. That's 1 Celsius. It's Don's Market with prices like yesterday and today's produce. Save on a half bushel of delicious apples, just $1.99. Macintosh and Jonathan apples, a half bushel, just $2.69. White California grapes, 39 cents a pound. Bananas, 7 pounds for a buck. 50 pounds of potatoes, just $2.29. And Don has fruit baskets made to order. Save on homogenized milk, the gallon size, just $1.45. And low fat for just $1.23. Don's Market, with prices like yesterday on today's produce. Open seven days a week, 9 to 9, on Apple Avenue and Brooks Road. MUS, he's got a big growth on his hip. Big iron, yes, it's 1125. MUS, where this Monday will give you a chance to win an 1895 J.C.'s Merchant Coupon book. Every hour, just listen and win right here on the music station. This is Action Line, from the Public Affairs Department of MUS. My comment is on how we, the majority of the people, are being made suckers of by the big shots and crooks in this country and abroad by paying the much overinflated price of gasoline. Now listen closely, there is no shortage of gasoline. If there was a shortage of gas, you and I, with two or more cars, would be issued ration stamps by the government for every gallon we purchase. If you would like to become rich and then a fuel to replace gasoline, the big oil companies will shut you up very quickly with more money than you or your relation has ever seen. There are special low prices on motor oil, but there is no shortage of gasoline. If a handful of power people told us there was a shortage of salt, we would pay probably a dollar a pound or more for it if they, did, if they decided to control it. I'll pay the price today and the higher price tomorrow, not because of the shortage, but because of the upper class and the lower class that tell me to do so. I would like to invite more comments on this matter from you listening out there. It may help us to freeze the gas prices and not let it go any higher. Thank you. Sound off about anything. Call Action Line. Calls are accepted at 744-1672 weekdays from 1 to 2 p.m. Or letters can be sent to MUS Action Line, Post Office Box 5260, Muskegon, 49445. Comments used are selected for general interest and edited for length. Action Line lets Western Michigan sound off. MUS. The Big M at 1127. I like this song. It is a good one. This is Charlie Rich right now. And the road song, A Sad Place to Live on MUS.